Uh, We're going to have some fun this morning. If you would, please turn with me to the book of John in chapter 21. John chapter 21. My hope this morning is we are going to read a story, maybe a story that you have uh, heard before, and then we're just going to talk about the story. And at some point in the next 30 minutes or so, um, I'm praying that uh, God just kind of speaks something to you that, wow, okay, that was just for me. So I'm going to like kind of lay out this buffet of stuff. And at some point during this buffet, you're going to grab a hold of the chicken and say, that was mine. Okay? John chapter 21. This is after resurrection. Resurrection has taken place. Now it says this. Now later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is, this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, who's nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Now Simon Peter said this. Listen, I'm going fishing. And he said like they said fishing because he was a little bit southern. We'll come. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but his disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, listen, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And he said this, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did it, and they couldn't call in the net because there were so many fish. Now listen, then the disciple who Jesus loved, he said this to Peter. He said, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had been stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load and the net to the shore, for they were only, they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found that breakfast was waiting for them. There was fish already cooking over the charcoal fire and some bread. Do y'all know how hard it is to cook bread on an open fire? Like, Jesus had skills. I'm telling you, like, I could barely cook bread in the oven. That's awesome. Y'all never caught that before, did you? Like, Jesus cooked bread? He's a good cook. So bringing some of the, so bring some of the fish that you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went about, and he dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Like, Jesus just doesn't stop serving He served them the bread and the fish. Uh, Now, this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Listen, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, uh, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then do this, feed my sheep. Again, he asked, do you love me? Again, feed my sheep. A third time he asked, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So there's this uh, story. There's this amazing story. There's, this takes place after resurrection. resurrection. Resurrection has taken place. You've experienced 
the glory of God, and it is awesome. It's amazing. Can you, can you see what's happened? All the, these miracles. Jesus is, has shown himself. Uh, all of these things are happening. You're in the presence of God. Uh, lives are being changed. But then at some point, like, things just kind of go back to normal. So normal that Peter says, well, I guess let's go fishing. Like, have you ever had that moment where you've experienced something amazing? Something's happened in your life, and you just, man, you celebrate it, you shout it out, the party was awesome, the celebration was good, you know, the Carolina won the game, you know, and you're cheering and you're happy, but then everybody goes home, and then you're all by yourself, and you're like, well, I guess I'll go to sleep. I don't, I don't know. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had these moments? Just this last week, uh, I had to take a trip to Florida, and while I'm there, I got to listen to Francis Chan speak, and Francis Chan is an amazing, amazing guy. Um, uh, we're buddies. No, no. Uh, he has no clue who I am, and I, I got to listen to him, but uh, he spoke this word, and it was just so good that I came home, and I walk into the house. Hey, hey, baby, you, you gotta, let me tell you about what happened. I got, to, I, got to hear, I got to hear Francis Chan speak, and this is what happened. This is what happened at the conference. And then Devin's just kind of like, yeah, that's great. Could you go take care of that grass? It's like, needs some mowing out there. And you're like, what? Like, no, hold on. And like, or have you ever been, you know, to church? Or, or, or you've been at some, or you've, you've experienced God in such a way that, man, Wow, I've just experienced Jesus in such a way that, but then at some point, you get hungry. It's like, okay, I've got to eat now. And and then Monday rolls around, and okay, back to the TS9 reports, you know, let's back to mowing the grass and doing, and like, there's this amazing moment, and then it's followed by the, well, the, the drudgery of the normal, and there's these times all throughout Scripture that we see this. And see, if we're not careful, sometimes we just like to focus on the mountaintops and forget about the valleys. A few times, one, one of the, probably the most uh, obvious times was when the children of Israel are uh, coming out of slavery. They've been slaves in Egypt for like 400 years, right? I mean, 400 years is a long time. Like, how old is America? 240, 41 years, something like that. Like, longer than we've been America, these guys have known slavery. And they get released from Egypt. They're going out. There's a celebration. There's a party. They're singing. They're dancing. All of this stuff is happening. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in the midst of the party, they realize, hold on, we're walking into the desert. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, people start complaining, "Um, we're thirsty, uh, Moses, we're hungry, and all the stuff starts happening, and it's like, there's the realization of what's going on. Uh, there's this other time in, in Scripture where uh, Jesus goes up on this mountaintop. He takes a few of his disciples with him. Peter's one of them. Peter's always right there. And, and, and Jesus transfigures on the mountaintop. It says that his face was just glowing like the sun, that, that his clothes were this glowing white I mean, it's this amazing moment where Peter's like, oh, it's good that we're here. Hey, I have this idea. Let me build us some tents, and we could just stay right here in this moment. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, 
And, and they walked down the mountain and back into the valley. Now, do you know what happens right after the transfiguration takes place? It says this, and then this, this man came, and, and his son is demon-possessed. He says, well, Jesus, you know, we took him to your disciples. We, 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 we tried to, to heal my boy, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't help him. Jesus, help me. And then right after this, right after Jesus is met with this little boy that's demon-possessed, he, he's met up with the, goes into this town, and somebody approaches him and says, um, by the way, does, does your master pay the taxes? Like, this happens right after the transfiguration. It's gone from this glory, amazing moment to demon-possessed people and paying taxes. All right, all right let me put it into 2017 for you. You've gone to church. It's, a, it's amazing. It's awesome. God has showed up. He didn't show up in the sound system this morning, but he showed up, and something happened, and you just had a touch from God, and somewhere on the ride home, your wife, your husband, your friend says, hey, can we just stop at Walmart for a second? I guarantee you'll meet a demon-possessed person, <laughs> and you won't leave there without having to pay taxes. <laughs> like, there's this reality, like, we read the scriptures, and there's this there's this beautiful high moments, and then we come down from these high moments to the normalcy, the Mondays, the, hey, that's wonderful, but I've still got to mow the grass. I, I, I've still got to do all of these things, and all of this has happened. And then we, we say these words to ourselves that uh, as believers, as, as followers of Christ, we would dare not say them out loud, but somewhere deep in our heart we're thinking, isn't it supposed to be different? I've just experienced God. I've experienced the resurrected Christ. You're telling me I still got to mow the grass? Hold on. All of these things, shouldn't it be different? Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back around to it. So Jesus is there. They've experienced these high moments. They've experienced resurrection. They've seen Jesus. It is glorious. It is good. And then Simon Peter's like, well, I'm hungry. Let's go fishing. And I love it. It says this. It says they were going fishing, and they took the disciples. There was Peter. There was Thomas. There was Nathaniel. There was, there was the sons of Zebedee. And then there was two other disciples, as if the writer just kind of, like, forgot their names. You know, like, well, there was Peter and John and somebody. Like, do you remember, like, depending on what kind of background you grew up with, have you ever had that guilt trip of, hey, you, don't, you know there was 12 disciples, but you, know, you have no idea who the other nine were. Like, I got Peter, James, and John, the other nine, you know. But here, even the writer's like, uh, there was two other guys. Can't remember. Like, I can't even remember my daughter's name sometimes. Reese, Kobe, Devin, Reese, Reese, whichever one you are. And like, he's writing, he's like, and there was two, and we were just, there was nothing going on. We just said, let's go fishing. And then they're out there. Jesus shows up, and Jesus asks this question, hey, fellas, you have any fish? Which, come on, let's be honest, is a little insulting, because Jesus knows, right? Here's like a little Bible 101. Anytime Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer, all right? He already knows. Like, boys, have y'all, y'all caught anything? It's like, Jesus, you know this. It's a little bit like the equivalent of my wife asking me, hey, Lucas, have you taken out the trash yet? 
See, she knows I haven't taken out the trash. See, it's not for my, she's not saying it because she needs to know the answer. She's saying it because I need to know the answer. (laughs) What she's saying is, Lucas, it's time to take out the trash. (laughs) Or or any of you guys in here with kids, it's that moment where you say, hey, kids, are you ready for bed? There's not a kid alive that's ever ready for bed, you know? And so what I'm really saying is, girls, it's ready for bed. It's time. And so Jesus says, it's like, boys, have y'all caught any fish and, and there's, there's, there's something that Jesus is trying to get, something y'all need to recognize. It's not that I know that y'all have come up empty. There's something that you need to know in this. Have you caught any fish? And something amazing happens. For the first time in all of history, a fisherman tells the truth. They say No. Have you ever talked to some of these fishermen? Hey, man, how was it? How was your fish? Well, you know, I, I had a few of them on the line. There was this big one. He just got away. And, and then there's, like, all these excuses. Well, you know, there's the bait, and it was the sun, my boat, the engine. Well, they're, like, 50 million excuses. If you go to Bass Pro Shop, this is no lie. If you walk into Bass Pro Shop, above their door, there is a sign that says, uh, Hunter's fishermen, and all other liars, welcome. Because <laughs> it's true, like these guys, like they've had such a night, they've caught absolutely nothing. They fished all night long. Have you caught any fish? Nope. Now you think at this point in time, you would think, man, Jesus, he might even, like, he might even be a little upset with the disciples. Because from the very beginning, he told, listen, when I called you guys, some of you boys were fishing, and what happened when I called y'all? I told you I was going to make you fishers of what? Men. I was going, why are you, what, what are you doing? And so you kind of think like, I've walked with you guys for three years. You're right back here. But that's not what he does. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't get upset. What he does is he gives them a commandment. All right, now I want you to toss your nets on the right side of the boat. Now this is interesting Because the commandment Jesus gives them is the very thing that they've been doing all night long. Like, hold hold, hold on a second. Wait, we've been fishing all night long. We fished the right side, the left side. We fished over here and over there. We've done this all night long. Jesus tells them the very thing that they've been doing all along. And and if you were one of these fishermen, you're kind of thinking to yourself, man, we've been doing this. We're using the right techniques. We're using the right bait. We're using the right nets. All of things happen. We have come up empty time and time again. And yet Jesus knows something that they don't know. There's 153 fish big fish right on the right side of their boat. The very thing that they've been looking for all night long is right there, and they can't get it. 153 fish are right there. The very thing they've been looking for all night long, and they can't get it. How many of you guys have been working and, and, and blood, sweat, and tears, and you're trying to make it happen, and yet you've come up empty time and time again. And the very thing you're looking for is right there. It's right within your grasp, and yet it's so out of reach. And they're there, and there's this moment, and, and Jesus says, listen, just do this 
Man, we, we, we've done this for so long. I, I, I've prayed this prayer a thousand times. How come my marriage just isn't getting better? How come these kids are still acting crazy? How come this job is still what it is? Jesus, I've done this over and over and over again. And just do it one more time. I want you to pray for your spouse one more time. I want you to get up and I want you to go to work one more time. I want you to do the very thing that you've been trying to do one more time because, well, something changes when you're doing it on his command, rather your command. When he says to do something, he knows, listen, those fish are right there. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't have a fish problem. He has a you problem. See, the fish are already there. The fish don't need to be prepared. Peter, you need to learn a lesson. Peter, is there something I need to teach you in this moment that you need to get, you need to understand? God is preparing you. Now, remember, this is Peter. What, 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 is, uh, what does God say to Peter? It's like, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, right? Like Peter's like, man, Peter's the rock. Peter's the, the leader of the, these disciples. Peter's awesome. And he, at the same time, if you were Peter, you would feel anything but a rock. If anything, you're like more like jello. You know, you, you've denied Christ. You've denied Christ to a little girl. Hey, do you know who Jesus is? Nope, never seen him. You've denied him time and time. Matter of fact, the same page in which Jesus says to Peter, that you're a rock, not too long later, you know what he says to him? Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Now listen, you know, I've been called quite a few things, but Satan, like, man, this is hardcore, right? Like, imagine this. And so if, you, if you're Peter, you're like, anything but God is trying to teach him, teach him something. Peter has seen resurrection. He's seen who he is. He's seen what he can accomplish. And at the end of the day, Peter has to come to a realization. Listen, I'm not that good of a fisherman. I can't do it. As a matter of fact, there's 153 fish that are huge right there, and I've worked all night, and I can't get them. And three years earlier, Jesus, when you called me, I was fishing, and there was something about what I was doing. There's a reason why I left all that to follow you, because I wasn't that good. And somewhere along the lines, where is it that we begin to think that we're good at this thing? Where do we begin to believe that we're good Christians? Like, oh, yeah, I could take care of that. I can knock out those problems. That sin issue, oh, yeah, I could just get disciplined enough, and then we'll fix that. Like, at what point do we kind of, like, this infiltrate our minds? And at some point, there's this moment that God has spoken something to you, and it goes terribly south. He's called him a rock, and he's, well, he's jello. The, the transfiguration happens, and then, well, this, man, there's demon-possessed, there's taxes, there's, and there's these mountaintops experience, there's resurrection, and then there's, well, there's the normalcy. Man, Joseph had a dream. Man, that dream was followed by prison. <laughs> David had this dream. Man, I'm going to be, or, or he, he was anointed. He was anointed king. It wasn't too long later that the guy who was king was throwing arrows at him. He's, he's, I mean, just, just crazy stuff. And here's what I want you to get. 
what God speaks to you on the mountain must be lived in the valley. What God speaks to you on the mountain must be lived out in the valley. See, we want to be like Peter. And man, this is awesome. This is great. Let's build our tents right here. And for all of like, you know what? Let's confine Jesus to this little box and we'll call it church on Sundays. And we'll just, like, God's like, no, no, no. Like, no, no, no. Like, this is supposed to happen Monday morning at the checkout counter in Walmart. And this is supposed to happen uh, Thursday afternoons when everybody's going crazy. Like, this is supposed to go beyond this. It's not about just living on the mountaintops. It's about living it out in the valley every day. And so Jesus comes to this, or Peter's beginning to come to this conclusion of who he really is. And Jesus has this conversation with him. Listen, Peter, do you, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And if you've ever heard this before, the emphasis has kind of been on the questions that Jesus is asking. Do you love me? But if you take a step back and look at what Jesus is actually saying, he's saying, listen, feed my sheep. This is inside of the context of everything that's just happened. They've just been fishing all night long, and they've caught nothing. And there's the overwhelming realization in Peter's mind, listen, how am I supposed to feed his sheep? I can't even feed myself. I'm not even a very good fisherman. Feed my sheep. And Jesus is trying to get it into him. He's putting something deep inside of Peter's heart. That, like, listen, even the most simplest things are impossible without me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Even the simplest task, even those things in your life that you think you've got under control, without the help of Jesus, they'll crumble. And you'll go from rock to jello. And until we come to this realization, okay, Jesus, without you, without your help, without you, Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. And it's when we come to this point, when we find ourselves completely empty. I can't be good enough. I can't do enough good deeds. I can't try hard enough. I can't get disciplined enough. I can't work hard enough. Because at the end of the day, listen, God, i got to be honest, I just want to live on the mountaintop. But I know you're leading me back down into the valley. And it's there where his glory shines the most. It's there, catch this, where we experience resurrection wonder every day. And it comes when our eyes are open to just the sheer wonder of it all that we can look at a sunrise and no longer just, oh, yeah, that's an Instagram photo. No, no, like, who is it that causes the sun to rise? Who is it that takes a line and strips it across the earth and says, here, here are your boundaries? Who is it that speaks to the waves and say, here and no further? Who is it that causes this, uh, the 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 earth to spin at thousands of miles an hour across around the sun. It, it ain't me. It ain't you. And God's like, do, do you really think it's a fish problem? Do you really think whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now, do you really think that, that it's bigger than resurrection? 
See, the truth is you could experience resurrection wonder every day and in everything. You can experience resurrection wonder in all of God's creation. But the key is recognizing you can't do it. You can't be a good husband. You can't be a good wife. You can't be just a good follower. You can't do it in your own strength. You need some help. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.